If you would, remain standing for the reading of God's Word and turn with me to Matthew chapter 3. Matthew chapter 3, beginning in verse 1. And we're going to cover a long six verses this morning. Matthew 3, beginning in verse 1. In those days, John the Baptist came preaching in the wilderness of Judea, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. For this is he who was spoken by the prophet Isaiah when he said, The voice of one crying in the wilderness, Prepare the way of the Lord, make straight his paths. Now John wore a garment of camel's hair and a leather belt around his waist, and his food was locusts and wild honey. Then Jerusalem and all Judea and all the region about the Jordan were going to him, and they were baptized by him in the river Jordan, confessing their sins." Praise God for his holy word. Please be seated. So Jesus Christ is the long-awaited Messiah. Matthew will continue to hit this nail on the head over and over and over again all throughout this gospel. He is the eternal king who has come to save sinners. Now, the Messiah coming to earth, the Son of God putting on flesh, was always part of the Lord's plan. We also see in the unfolding of the Gospel of Matthew the providence of God, that it was his plan before the creation of the world. Ephesians 1, verses 3 through 14 informs us, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, even as he chose us in him, before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. In love, he predestined us for adoption as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace. If you're not seeing a pattern as you walk through these verses, it's like his will, his purpose, his grace, his will, his purpose, his grace which he has blessed us in the beloved. In him, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of his will according to his purpose, which he set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in him, things in heaven and things on earth, in him we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will, so that we who are the first to hope in Christ might be to the praise of his glory. In him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of his glory. So all this is looking that before the Lord created the world, he chose his children. It says in love he predestined his children for adoption. So when did the Lord do this? Before creation, before the world, before the fall, before sin, before your birth, if you are his this morning, he sets you aside for himself and for the glory of God. And it's for your good. 
if you have been born again, when God said the words found in Matthew 121, she will bear a son, you shall call his name Jesus, and he will save his people from their sins. He was speaking of your justification, your sanctification, and your glorification. And God had planned all of this before the foundations of the world. Whether it is before creation, before the fall of Adam, the life of Moses, the Old Testament prophets, David and Solomon, Christ coming to earth, his life, his death, his resurrection, before Paul the apostle, the early church, the Reformation, world wars, Biden as president, or this past week, the Lord does not respond to anything in his creation. He sits, he rules, and he orchestrates everything for his name and for his glory. This is the holy, mighty, sovereign God that we serve. His will, his glorious grace, his promises, his purposes, they will all come to pass. He governs his creation. And as his children, as the Lord unravels his perfect will, we are to follow his plans for our for our life by following our feelings, by following our thoughts, or by following his holy word. We follow the Lord by knowing what he has said. We don't elevate the sovereignty of God by ignoring everything else that he is. His goodness, his holiness, his steadfastness, his love, his mercy, his grace, his justice. And neither do we elevate the sovereignty of God by only resting in it and silencing the commands that he has given us as his children. The providence of God cannot be separated from everything else that we know of God and his will for our lives as his children. What do I mean by that? That means we don't come before the Lord and say, I know that God is sovereign and he is providentially ruling over all things. Therefore, whatever he does is his will and I can do whatever I want to do. We come before the Lord recognizing he is sovereign and providential over all things and he has given his, his, his word. He has told us how to live. We are to be wise, not to be foolish. We are to know his commands. We are to know his promises and therefore we live in response to what he has said. That's what his children do. His children come before him. They listen to him. They keep his word and they go out because to be justified, you will have a sanctified life because you you will be fruitful because God makes you fruitful for his name. Our text today focuses upon God the Father preparing for the ministry of God the Son. If you look at Matthew verse 2, verse 23, and then you look at Matthew 3, verse 1, you're seeing a passing of almost 30 years. In those days, John the Baptist came preaching in the wilderness of Judea, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. For this is he who was spoken by the prophet Isaiah when he said, the voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make straight his pass. So point number one this morning is John prepared the way for Jesus and Messiah 
by preaching. John prepared the way for Jesus the Messiah by preaching. John the Baptist served as the forerunner of the Lord Jesus Christ. I listened to a sermon uh, this week, and it made me laugh because it was R.C. Sproul saying, John the Presbyterian. John the Baptist served as a forerunner of the Lord Jesus Christ. He prepared the way for Christ and his ministry. So under this heading, we're going to answer three questions. Question one, what did John preach? What did John preach? Question two, where did John preach? And question three, what did Jesus preach? Before we get to question one, notice one observable truth found in Matthew 3, verse 1. John preached in preparing the way for Jesus. Notice in preparing for Christ, it wasn't that John went out and did a bunch of good works. He preached. That is to herald, to proclaim, to publish openly for all to hear. That God uses proclamation to save sinners. This is his way as we would say in, in the day of watching Mandalorian, this is the way. So much of what we see today is labeled as this is missions or this is outreach or this is evangelism. If there's not the telling of the good news, it's not any of those things. To herald, to proclaim, to publish openly. 1 Corinthians 1.21, For since in the wisdom of God the world did not know God through wisdom, it pleased God through the folly of what we preach to save those who believe. In 2 Timothy 4, which hits me almost every single week because I walk into the office doors and I look at it over on my right side on the wall, Paul is preparing to die and he has poured his life into his spiritual son, Timothy, And this is what he says before he's about to die. I charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is the judge of living and the dead, and by his appearing and his kingdom, do what you want, Timothy. No. Preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Meaning, be ready to preach when it's convenient, when it's not convenient. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with complete patience and teaching. For the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching, but having itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions and will turn away from listening to the truth and wander off into myths. The faithful pattern that God provides for us is preaching what he has spoken. Therefore, we preach the word. And the preparation of Jesus beginning his ministry, as well as the preparation for his second coming, God's people are to preach. If we love others, we will tell them the truth. Amen? Amen. John preached. So question one, what did John preach? Answer, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Now I want us to spend some time focused on this word repent. This past week, I had multiple conversations with people in which I use the word repentance. And I do that with great intentionality because so many individuals don't use the word, not even in church. It's not used much among Christians or pastors, 
because some have allowed comfort to set in over faithfulness. Now, the word repent, to turn, a turning from sin, disobedience or rebellion, and a turning back to God in obedience. Repentance is not mere regret or behavior modification, but genuine God-given sorrow. Like when you and I sin, if the Holy Spirit is in you, it will not be long until you are going to have guilt in yourself over that sin brought about by the power of the Holy Spirit, and you will have to come before the Lord and confess that sin. That's genuine repentance. It's not, I've done something, I've been caught, or it's behavior modification, I feel bad, I should say this. It's like when a parent tells their child, you need to go apologize to your sister. Probably not the best way to go about things. It's not the church saying before an individual, hey, you need to come before God and you need to tell God you're sorry. If you have true repentance, true sorrow over your sin, that is your longing to come before the Lord. I think of Adam and Eve in the garden, right? Sin has entered the world, and God asks a question that he always, whenever he asks a question, he knows the answer to, right? Adam and Eve, they hear God walking in the garden, and they don't see him, but they hear him, and they know that's the Lord walking. That's how close their relationship was. And the Lord cries out, where are you? What he was saying was, I know you have sinned. Why in the world have you not come to me? It's not mere regret or behavior modification, but genuine God-given sorrow. Biblical repentance includes godly grieving over your sin. It's sorrow for sin, a hatred for sin, a change of mind, a change of emotions, a change of direction, and a change of conduct. All those things are involved. It's not just a mere intellect thing, but it's to say, no, if I am truly repentant, I will change the direction I'm going. I'm going to change my behavior. I'm going to change my attitude. I'm going to change my emotions, the direction, the very conduct with how I do myself before others as well as the Lord. A change from wrong to right, leaving sin and pleasing the Lord. During my conversations this past week, my mind was drawn to a question. The question was this, does repentance need to be discussed if the gospel is to be faithfully shared? My answer is yes. Some might disagree based on the fact that there are certain situations in Scripture or the fact that the Gospel of John does not contain the word repentance at all, but we must be faithful in the proclamation of the whole counsel of God, as well as viewing every context with careful precision. We are saved by grace alone, through faith alone, in Jesus Christ alone, and faith is a gift from God, and true faith in Christ always results in repentance. That's why in 1 John you have, it's not have you confessed your sins, it's are you still confessing your sins? John MacArthur asked this question, is it possible to obtain eternal salvation 
with no sense of the gravity of one's own sin and alienation from God. If we don't understand our wickedness and our great need for a Savior, how is the good news good news? Who needs a question, what must I do to be saved if one doesn't understand their own sin? Who needs a Messiah if one believes themselves to be healthy and not sick? I mean, Jesus himself said, I did not come for those who are healthy. I came for those who are sick, who need a doctor. What is one's faith in if sins are not needed to be covered? The word repent, repents, repentance, repented, or repenting occurs 70 times in the Old and New Testament. We are told repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. Disciples are sent out and they proclaim that people should repent. We are told unless you repent, you will all likewise perish. In Acts 16, we find the times of ignorance God overlooked, but now he commands all people everywhere to repent because he has fixed a day on which he will judge the world in righteousness by a man whom he has appointed, and of this he has given assurance to all by raising him from the dead. We are told, bear fruit in keeping with repentance. Jesus answered them, those who are well have no need of physician, but those who are sick, I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. For godly grief produces a repentance that leads to salvation without regret, whereas worldly grief produces death, 2 Corinthians 7 verse 10. Paul declared that they should repent and turn to God, performing deeds in keeping with their repentance. So it's not we come before the Lord and we are sorrow over something, and then we turn around and we do whatever we want to do. That is not repentance. That's confession without actually turning. John was sent by God to prepare the way for Jesus. Turn with me to Luke chapter 1. Let's look at the importance of John. Luke is a physician. He's a doctor. He also had access to Mary, in which he would have gotten a lot of details that he would have remembered, very precise. Luke chapter 1, beginning in verse 5. In the days of Herod, king of Judea, there was a priest named Zechariah of the division of Abijah, and he had a wife from the daughters of Aaron, and her name was Elizabeth, and they were both righteous before God, walking blamelessly in all the commandments and statutes of the Lord. But they had no child because Elizabeth was barren and both were advanced in years. Now, while he was serving as a priest before God, when his division was on duty, according to the custom of the priesthood, he was chosen by lot to enter the temple of the Lord and burn incense. And the whole multitude of the people were praying outside at the hour of incense. And there appeared to him an angel of the Lord standing on the right side of the altar of incense. And Zechariah was troubled when he saw him and fear fell upon him. But the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zechariah, for your prayer has been heard, and your wife Elizabeth will bear a son, and you shall call his name John. Are, are you seeing a pattern here? You recognize this when the birth of Christ was foretold. And you will have joy and gladness. Many will rejoice at his birth, for he will be great before the Lord. And he must not drink wine or strong drink, And he will be filled with the Holy Spirit, even from his mother's womb. He will turn many of the children of Israel to the Lord their God and will go before him in spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just to make ready for the Lord a people prepared. So John was prayed for by his parents. 
and provided by God to Zechariah and Elizabeth, and John would be great before the Lord. He would be filled with the Spirit. John would go before Christ in the spirit and the power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just. John would make ready a people prepared for the Lord. So how did John prepare for the coming Messiah? He preached repentance before God. He preached repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. John spoke plainly about sin. We hear so much today about we must not speak of sin because we want others to think well of us. Brother and sister, it is loving to discuss sin. It's actually hatred to ignore it. Now, Matthew is the only one who uses the words kingdom of heaven. You can exchange kingdom of heaven with kingdom of God. That's kingdom of God is what you find elsewhere in Scripture. But Matthew used kingdom of heaven because he was discussing Jesus as a divine sovereign who rules. That Jesus the Messiah has come, leaving heaven and coming to earth. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. God's kingdom is a present reality, and it's still growing. Not to fast forward too much, but it is of great urgency that you know if you have eternal life. Because if you don't, that means eternal punishment awaits you. You have eternal life or you have eternal punishment. John preached repentance. He spoke plainly about sin. We, as a church, must speak plainly about sin. Question two, where did John preach? John preached this in the wilderness of Judea. He was calling his people, the Jews, to repent. Both Jews and Gentiles came out to him. They went out into the wilderness, away from the hustle and bustle, and they listened to the teaching of John the Baptist. Just imagine that for a moment. John did not go into the city where everyone was. He did not go into the people who said, we are God's people, even though they weren't following God. They all went out to him. It sounds like a sovereign act of God. He was declaring to both the Jews and the Gentiles that no one was ready for the Messiah, not even his chosen people, the Jews. Repentance was required. Even the life of John the Baptist was foretold in the Old Testament. Isaiah 40, verses 1 through 5, says, Comfort, comfort my people, says your God. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem and cry to her that her warfare is ended that her iniquity is pardoned, that she has received from the Lord's hand double for all her sins. A voice cries in the wilderness, prepare the way of Yahweh, make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Every valley shall be lifted up, every mountain and hill be made low, the uneven ground shall become level, and the rough places a plain, and the glory of Yahweh shall be revealed, and all flesh shall see it together, for the mouth of Yahweh has spoken." Malachi 3.1, Behold, I send my messenger, and he will prepare the way before me. And the Lord whom you seek will suddenly come to his temple, and the messenger of the covenant in whom you delight. Behold, he is coming, says Yahweh of hosts. Malachi 4, 5, and 6, Behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the great and awesome day that Yahweh comes. He will turn the hearts of fathers to their children, to the hearts of the children to their fathers, lest I come and strike the land with a decree of utter destruction. This is what John the Baptist did. He prepared the way of the Lord. 
he, he preached repentance. Repentance is the way of God. John was much like Elijah. 2 Kings 1.8 tells us what Elijah wore. He wore a garment of hair with a belt of leather around his waist, and he said, it is Elijah the Tishbite. Matthew 3, 4, and 5 informs us what John wore. He wore a garment of camel's hair and a leather belt around his waist. His food was locusts and wild honey. Then Jerusalem and all Judea and all the region about the Jordan were going out to him. Why did John dress like that? Why did John eat like that? Because God promised that Elijah would come. And John the Baptist came. The path that John the Baptist preached, the path that he laid before Christ came was that of repentance. It was a path of repentance. Matthew tells us later that all the people saw him as a prophet. Matthew 21, 24 through 26, Jesus answered him, I will also ask you one question, and if you tell me the answer, then I will also tell you by what authority I do these things. You, you remember this, right? Jesus is having a confrontation, and they said, they ask him a question. Jesus is like, hey, I'll respond, but I want to ask you a question first. You answer this question, and then I'll give you the answer to your question. What was Jesus' question? The baptism of John, where did it come? From heaven or from man? It was one of the two. And they discussed it among themselves, saying, if we say from heaven, he will say to us, why then did you not believe him? But if we say from man, we are afraid of the crowd, for they all hold that John was a prophet. John preached repentance, and he preached it in the wilderness. What about Christ? What did Christ come and preach? John preached repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Look at Matthew 4, verse 17. Matthew 4, verse 17. We have the words that Jesus said, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. The ministry of Jesus has just begun and Jesus said the exact words of John the Baptist. He began his public ministry with the same words. So John prepared, Jesus continued, the disciples followed and were trained by Christ and did exactly as Christ said and we are to call people to repent as well as the church today. Both John and Jesus spoke plainly about sin. Both preached repentance. So do we. Point number two, John prepared the way for Jesus with baptism and confession. John prepared the way for Jesus with baptism and confession. Matthew 3, verse 6, they were baptized by him in the Jordan River, confessing their sins. By John proclaiming repentance, baptism, and confession in the wilderness... He was declaring to all that they were unclean and not ready for the Messiah. The Jews would have scoffed at the fact that, wait, wait, you want me to be baptized? Are you serious right now, John? I'm God's chosen people. I'm not needed, or, or I don't need anything spiritually. I'm ready for the Messiah. You know who I am. But no one is saved because of their ancestry. No one is saved by their blood. You're only saved by the blood of Christ. Romans 9, verse 6, Paul covered this up. For not all who are descended from Israel belong to Israel. 
John's baptism was a picture of cleansing, the washing away of their sins. Their confession was repentance and trusting in the Messiah who would come. That's why when Jesus began his ministry and John the Baptist saw him, he declared before all those who had been baptized by John, there is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Go follow him. Today's baptism is identifying the believer with Christ. It's an outward picture of what Christ has already done inwardly. That those who have repented and trusted in Christ and Christ alone for their salvation, we follow Christ in obedience by being baptized. Baptism does not save. It's a picture of what Christ has done inwardly. John was in the Jordan River baptizing. Baptizo is a Greek word. It means to dip or to submerge. That was the mode. You go under, you come up. You go under, you come up. That Jesus alone covers all your sins. Jesus alone grants spiritual life. Baptism does not save. Christ saves. John prepared the way for Christ by preaching repentance, baptism, and confession. Point number three, a call for all to repent is commanded by God. The word repent in the Greek language is an imperative. An imperative means it's a command. It's not an opinion. It's not an option to consider. When Jesus says, repent for the kingdom of heaven in his hand, that's a command. The king of kings and the Lord of lords is standing before you, and he's commanding you to repent. He made you. He created you. He knows all things. He knows what you need. You need a savior. You're commanded to come before God and to turn away from your sins and call on Christ for your salvation. That Christ came to save his children from their sins, and he would do just that. First John 1 says, This is the message we have heard from him and proclaim to you that God is light, in him is no darkness at all. If we say we have fellowship with Christ while we walk in darkness, we lie and we do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves. And the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say we have not sinned, we make him, God, a liar, and his word is not in us. So if we say we have no sin, we are liars and we are deceiving ourselves. You see, John prepared the way for Christ. We are preparing others for their judgment. The Lord saves sinners. Repent and believe in Christ. Repentance is a command of God. There is much nonsense being said by which repentance is not needed for salvation. In fact, it goes so far as to say that all you have to do is say a prayer and you may or may not bear fruit for the Lord in this life. Brothers and sisters, if God justifies an individual, he will sanctify that individual. It's not you have been justified and then one day you will be glorified. There is a reason Jesus said over and over and over again, a tree is known by its fruit. There is a reason we have examine yourself. Make your calling and election sure. And that brings us to point number four, a call for daily confession before the Lord is needed in our life. 
If the only time that you repent of your sins is on Sunday morning, you are not prepared for worship. I don't know how else to be more plain about that. If you don't confess throughout the week, good gravy. If you don't confess after you have sinned each day, each, each moment, like you're not ready to commune with the Lord. A call for daily confession before the Lord is needed in your life and mine. Repentance is not a one-time event. It is all throughout. Jesus taught us how to pray. This is just one example in Scripture. Jesus taught us how to pray. And that included coming before him, asking for forgiveness. He says, pray then like this, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Forgive us this day. Give us this day. Whoops. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive those who have trespassed against us. It's a constant reminder that in this life, we are forgetful people. In this life, we're going to sin. We're going to struggle. It's a constant reminder that Paul talked about in Romans, that you have this battle between the flesh and the battle between the spirit, that the very things I want to do, I don't do, and the things I don't want to do, I do. Wretched man that I am. It's the fact that we are not perfect. We are not morally perfect in this life. You will not reach perfection in this life, at all times, we all need Christ. And in prayer and coming before the Lord, a part of our prayer is confessing our sins. That God's children remain humble and continue to come before him with humility. If our prayers turn into just coming before the Lord, saying, Lord, I need this, I need this, I need this, I need this. Are we really reminded of who he is and who we are? Are we really reminded that he is sovereignly ruling over all things and working all things out? Or are we just coming before him with our list and treating God like he's a divine Santa Claus who exists to give you what you want? Brothers and sisters, this is why the church in so many places is the way that it is because of this very thing. Repentance is ignored. God's children remain humble in coming before him. Think of David, a man after God's own heart. Think of Peter denying Christ three times. Think of the apostle Paul who struggled but yet humbled himself before the Lord. This morning, if your heart cannot rejoice that you belong to the Lord, that your sins are forgiven, it's simple, you're not his. If you can't come before the Lord in humility, thanking him for all that he does for you. you know, John the Baptist prepared the way for Christ. Are you being active in preparing others for the day of their judgment? Let's look at it from this angle for a moment whether you're a parent in the home with children that are still in the home, whether you're a grandparent who still has their own children, grandchildren, whether you're single and you're in the church and you have other children that are here whom you are to pour into with your life, if we are not proclaiming the gospel, does that mean that we're not concerned about sin in our own life and we're not concerned about the sin in others' lives? Are we not thinking about the future judgment that is to come? 
even with, a, with my own family, with my wife and my children, if I'm not leading them and pointing them to Christ, am I declaring that they have no sin? Am I declaring that there's nothing to come before the Lord and to bring before the Lord? John the Baptist prepared for the coming of Christ, and he died later in continuing to proclaim Christ. We must not delay in repenting of our daily sins. And if you're here this morning and you're not saved, don't delay in turning from your sins and calling on Christ for your salvation. Do not say in your hearts, I'm going to harden my heart, or do not say in your heart, I'm going to put that off. Tomorrow is the day of salvation. No, Scripture says today is the day of salvation. You are not all-knowing. You don't know if you have tomorrow. Do not delay in repenting of your sins and trusting in Christ because you either possess eternal life in one hand or you have eternal judgment, eternal punishment that awaits you because you are spiritually dead in need of a Savior. Look at your life. Examine your life. Are there fruits of repentance in your life? I'm not asking how much intellect you have. I'm not asking if you read Systematic Theology by Wayne Grudem or Louis Burkhoff. I'm not saying, do you have Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John all memorized? I'm not asking if you have Genesis, the Torah memorized. I'm not asking if you're here every Sunday. I'm not asking if you lead your, your family in worship. I'm not asking if you're a deacon in this church or you're another pastor in this church. I'm not asking all these different things that you have that you can mark off the list, I'm asking if you have a personal, intimate relationship with Christ, that if you cannot answer the question right now that if you were to die and stand before God and they said, what should, why should I let you in? If you cannot respond because I have repented of my sins and trusted in Christ, in Christ alone for my salvation, that is why I will enter in, then you've got it wrong. And you're not in a good place standing before the Lord. There is a reason why Jesus said it at the judgment and he started naming off things that you did not do, that you did not do all these things for me. There's a reason at the judgment of God that he says what he says. And there's a reason why those who thought they were saved answered how they answered. They answered by saying, Lord, I did this in your name. I did this in your name. I did this in your name. I don't believe a true Christian will stand before the God and say, Jesus, you should let me in because I did this. Jesus, let me into the heaven because I did these things for you. Not that a true Christian will ever have that opportunity, but a true Christian will come before the Lord and say, Lord, I'm not worthy. Lord, it's you. You've done it all. There's no reason why I should be entering into heaven with your glory. It's all because of your work. You gave me the faith to believe. I repented of my sins. I trusted in you. It's you. It's you. It's you. You either possess eternal life or you have eternal punishment. And God's wrath abides on you right now. 
Are there fruits of repentance in your life? Now, I'm not asking, was there past fruits years ago at a once profession of faith? Because a profession of faith without the Holy Spirit is not salvation. May we all be ready to stand before the Lord. That's Blake and I's desire, that every person here will be ready to stand before the Lord whenever that day is. And that every person here would be mature in Christ and they would hear, well done, my good and faithful servant. And as God's children this week, I hope when you see others, when you are around others, that you would have conversations about repentance. You would have conversations about the goodness and holiness of God, that you would discuss the good news of Christ, that you would do as John the Baptist did, as as Jesus did, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Don't delay talking about Christ and repentance, and don't delay in knowing if you personally have been born again yourselves. Father, I thank you for your holy word that you've given to us. Father, the words repent for the kingdom of heaven is hand, it draws our minds to our great depravity, our great sinfulness, our great wickedness, and our great need of a savior. Father, thank you for sending your son to die on the cross for our sins and to rise on the third day to appear to many, to give the great commission to ascend into heaven and to give us the promise that Jesus Christ will return, and when he does, he will judge. As your children, Father, may your words be on our hearts. And may we be your faithful children living for your holy and good and righteous commands. May we glorify you with our life. Show us our sins. May we just not confess those before you, but may we repent by turning from them and fill it with obedience to who you are as your children. Save the lost, Lord. This is our plea. Mature us as your children. Make us more faithful for your name and glory. In Christ's name we pray, amen.